Macworld Podcast number 65, Special Edition, January 11th, 2007. Sponsored by MYOB Small Business Management Software. Visit them at Macworld Expo booth 937 to see Account Edge 2007. Now Universal. Hi, I'm your host, Macworld Senior Editor Chris Breen, welcoming you to the third of our Macworld Expo Special Edition podcasts. If you've been listening throughout the week, you know what we're up to. In these podcasts, we break away from the standard format to bring you news, interviews, and more from the floor, ceiling, and basement of this week's Macworld Expo at Moscone Center in San Francisco. This is Philip Michaels, Executive Editor of Macworld.com. I have with me Senior Editor Rob Griffiths, Senior Editor, News Editor Peter Cohen, and Senior Features Editor Kelly Turner. And I thought we could talk about the fact that there are some 380 companies or so exhibiting at Macworld Expo this week, all of which aren't named Apple, and some of which are exhibiting Mac products, actually. <laughs> so I, I thought I'd throw it open to you guys uh, to maybe talk about some of the cool things that you've seen on the show floor this week. Um, well, I'll start. This is Rob Griffiths. Um, one, one of the neatest ones I saw, and it's a, on a personal level, there's a company called Punch Software that's showing a product called um, Home Design Studio, which is... Uh, uh, kind of like uh, SketchUp Pro, or sorry, which is kind of like SketchUp from Google, but it's uh, like SketchUp on steroids, where you can only draw the house, but you can draw the floor plan, the foundation, the electrical plan, the walls, you can paint the walls, you can put wallpaper on the walls, you can grow a yard, you can terrain a uh, landscape. And you can buy cabinets you can buy cabinets, from the yeah, kitchen. You can and tubs and, and showers, and I mean, it's... Uh, I, I was lucky enough to play with it uh, before I got down here, and in a matter of, you know, about an hour, I not only learned to use it, but I was able to model a couple rooms in the house and, you know, walk through them, and you can do the fly-through and fly up through the roof. And, and it's been a long time on the Mac since we've had a product like this mm-hmm. that's, that's as, as easy to use as I found this one, and that yet creates truly professional output. I mean, yeah, they, were on the, they were on the Windows side for a while, and they've just now come yep. to the Mac, and I think it's really exciting to have something like that because they I mean they really know what they're doing yeah. it seems like a pretty seamless program yeah and I don't know if you saw one of the cooler features is after you've done your work and it comes with about 30 blueprints for homes from a thousand square feet to McMansions um, but once you've developed your plan you can actually print a set of templates that'll let you build a model of your home so essentially you output something to the printer that you then trace on a styrene cut the parts out so you can go to an architect and say you know this is what I want it to look like Yes, um, unclear whether architects will be excited yes. to get that. <laughs> I'll be excited. <laughs> I, I want a moat. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. remember the moat feature, but perhaps it's in there. They don't guarantee that everything will be built to spec. <laughs> the other cool thing about Punch Software is that they are um, bringing forth a 2D, 3D CAD application. This is uh, right. via CAD. Right. Yes, via CAD. And via CAD is only going to cost $100 wow. uh, when it's released in March or thereabouts. So that's uh, that's exciting too. It's it's uh, again been a long time since we've yeah. seen a low cost uh, CAD package for the Mac, and it's great to see this this market expand a little. Yeah, bit. And one last thing I meant to point out: um, the, in the box they have an actual honest to gosh printed user manual. Not only that, the screenshots are of the Mac version. It talks about Mac command keys. It's not like a Windows manual that's been relabeled. Yeah, it definitely it's, looks. It's Mac. a real deal. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was very proud, uh, very interested to see that they took the time and the effort to do that. Yeah. Uh, Peter here, probably the neatest uh, non-Mac thing or non-Apple thing I saw at the show um, is the mod book from OWC yeah. and Axiotron, which uh, we also presented with a Best of Show award. 
Um, the ModBook is actually a, uh, a MacBook that has been modified to act as a tablet uh, Mac. So this is the first tablet Mac that we've ever seen, and lo and behold, it's coming from a company other than Apple. Um, it starts at about $2,200, I believe. Um, uh, but and, and you may be scratching your head wondering, why would I want to pay that much for uh, you know, a computer that only costs $1,000 or you know, in that vicinity? But the, the, the ModBook really takes um, the, the tablet PC concept and does it right. First, what they do is they remove the top of um, a MacBook, the screen and the keyboard, and they replace it with a, uh, a, a, a hardened glass display that works uh, with Wacom uh, driver software and mm -hmm. uses Wacom's pen-enabled technology. And... Um, uh, it enables you to, to, to write directly on the screen. That means that you can use Inkwell, for example, which is built into, uh, into Tiger, and you can also use it with any design software you want. The stylus supports 256 levels of pressure. Um, they've also incorporated an optional GPS uh, antenna, so you can uh, use your MacBook to figure out where the heck you are, <laughs> which uh, you know comes in handy on Expo Weeks. Um, that uh, is a very exciting product, and actually, if you compare apples to apples, no pun intended, uh, it's very reasonably priced compared to tablet PCs and better equipped. It's got a Core 2 Duo processor. It's got um, you know, a CD-DVD combo drive. Uh, you can also optionally get a dual-layer uh, super drive, and it uh, comes quite well equipped. Now, you might be wondering to yourself, I've got a MacBook. Can I just buy this kit and do it myself? For right now, you'll have to buy the, the entire system uh, from OWC, and, uh, but they don't rule out uh, that they might do something like that in the future. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that and see where that goes. Hey, Peter, I haven't actually had a chance to get to their booth. Does the machine lack a keyboard completely? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes, it, it completely lacks a keyboard. So uh, be ready to use a stylus. Uh, you know, I suppose you could pull up a virtual keyboard if you want, because yeah. this is a fully functional MacBook. Anything that runs on a MacBook will run on this. It is a MacBook. So it you could also carry one of those folding I was keyboards. Gonna, I was going to say, yeah. it has USB ports, obviously. Yeah. So All of the original ports are there. Bluetooth 2.0 is in there. Wi-Fi is in there. Uh, like I said, the GPS is optional. The other kind of cool thing that they've done is they've remounted the, the eyesight display into the uh, um, the top of, of uh, the tablet, and they've oriented it at an angle, so instead of pointing straight up at the ceiling or up at your hair, it's actually looking at your face, so you can continue to use cool. iChat AV. Is that shipping now or soon? Or? Uh, I believe April is the target date for that. Very and well. uh, OWC is the exclusive North American distributor. Axiotron plans to announce a distribution partnership for our listeners in Europe uh, sometime in the future. Kelly, what's the uh, coolest thing you saw this week? Um... Well, what was the coolest thing I saw? Well, one thing that I really liked, um, Memory Miner, who I actually uh, saw last year, they have a program where it'll take your photos, you can apply people to them, write stories about them. It's kind of like building a personal history from your photos. Um, one thing they've added this year is a web services. And it basically, if you have photos and you don't know the origin of the photo, you have photos from your grandparents and they're with people you don't really know who they are, they're family members you don't really know, you can mark those photos and then send them off to people saying, you know, tell me more about this photo. It sends them an email. It doesn't send them 
you know, the entire photo. It sends them an email. They go online. The photo is stored in a secure place online. They can identify people in the photo. They can add their own notes about the photo, you know, their own history about it. And then it sends that back to you and gets put into your your huh. application. So it's like this idea of a community building a sense of history, I think. It was really interesting. I thought that was pretty cool. So you could essentially email your entire family, you know, please go to this URL and help me with, you know, yeah, who's tell me what you, Joe tell me and, what, who yeah. these people are in these photos. If you cool. know anything about them, they, you know, they can mark people and say who they are. And if they don't know everyone, you know, that's fine. Huh. But it all comes back to you and gets built into kind of a larger sense of photographic history. I'll throw out uh, two things that I that I kind of like. Um, I've been spending a lot of time at the uh, the uh, booths of uh, companies that make uh, mind mapping software, whether that's uh, MindJet, which makes Mind Manager, uh, NovaMind, I believe it's a, a self-titled product, <laughs> NovaMind. And what sort of impressed me about these is a lot of them are integrating now with project management software. Hmm. Um, FastTrack and uh, uh, MindJet now sort of have a nice interplay going with uh, or fast track and mind manager, I should say, where you do your your mind mapping and your brainstorming in mind manager, and then, and then you import it into fast track, and fast track turns it into a uh, a, a project you can manage with the Gantt charts and the uh, dependencies, huh. and it's it's very clever. And of course, Merlin, which is from Project Wizards, has been doing this for a while with NovaMind, and uh, the the nerd in me appreciates that. <laughs> um, and uh, the other product that I, I really enjoyed uh, taking a look at was the IntelliScanner Mini from IntelliScanner, mm. uh, which, like yeah. the ModBook, also won one of our Best of Show awards. Uh, I, I've been using the IntelliScanner for a few years now to catalog my book collections. It's basically you've got a handheld scanner, you run it over the the, the US uh, UPC. The UPC code. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> U, USP and UPC <laughs> and USB. You run it over That's the code, things. and yeah. It goes online, looks up all the, the ISBN information, and pulls that down into a database, and then you've got a nice catalog of all the, the books you've owned, and, and IntelliScanner has expanded this to all sorts of things like DVDs and wine collections and now comic books. But always the problem was the software was great. The problem was the hardware because it was this giant <laughs> handheld scanner. And the IntelliScanner Mini is about the third of a third of the size of the original. It fits on this little, uh, uh, almost a, a neck chain, and it's it's just it looks a really kind of like a car fob for like getting into your car. Right, it's right, about that right. Size. It's about the same size as a. Um, it's kind of an obscure reference, but a uh, a glucometer. You know, <laughs> if you're diabetic, it's about the same size. Huh. It's it's uh, it's it's quite compact. Now, how much how much information can you actually store on there? Uh, quite uh, quite a bit because uh, it's it, you, you're not storing it on the device itself. It's plugged into oh, it your, is, your it Mac. Is wired. I, I believe it has a memory chip in it, so uh, you can use it while you're away from library. your Mac and go through your house. I'm not sure how big that memory chip is. Right. But you can see code does not take a lot of RAM. I mean, it no. would not take very much no. memory to store thousands. I scanned books. just about everything in my cube when it first came in, and let's <laughs> just say it, you know, I didn't have any trouble. And if you I don't know the cube, there's a lot of stuff there. <laughs> People with barcodes uh, tattooed on their necks. <laughs> <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor, MYOB. What do Mac small business owners want from their business management and accounting software? MYOB knows they want the same features that their Windows-using counterparts do. That's why their premium small business management and accounting software for Mac, Account Edge, offers fully integrated payroll, multi-user access, and credit card processing, same as their Windows version. Because sometimes... 
We don't think that differently. To learn how MYOB can help your small business, visit myob-us.com. Attending Macworld Expo? Stop by booth number 937 and pay them a visit. MYOB. Mind your own business. Smarter. One of the, one of the other things, that, uh, some of the more interesting and fun booths are in the little pavilions. Like behind Apple's booth, there's a developer pavilion in the North Hall. There's a couple special interest pavilions. Right. And, uh, and the FileMaker uh, developers pavilion. Yeah, the FileMaker developers mm-hmm. pavilion. And I was in the North Hall yesterday, and I was talking to uh, uh, Ricardo Itiore, who's the author of Type It For Me, which is one of those completion apps um, and that are they're huge time savers. But he has a new app that he's bringing out, and this is clearly in the fun more than the productive category. But um, there's been a program called um, Zounds on OS X for a while from Unsanity, and it lets you kind of the old OS 7 and 8 9 style fun sounds for activities. Uh, Ricardo's managed a way to, to do that same thing, but without relying on an application interface. He's just using human uh, the the, the uh, human accessibility features, the, the all the universal access stuff inside of OS 10. So he can talk to each application and essentially intercept the keystrokes. And so he's basically built an app with about I think 60 to 70 different actions to which you can attach sounds. Most of them are just for fun. I mean, it'd be really fun on a kid's machine in particular, but there are some in particular that, that have to do with, like, mounting or dismounting of network drives or when a resource becomes or does not is no longer available, you can have sounds play automatically in the background. It's kind of fun. I mean, it's just a cool little app, and I think it's due out in a month or two, but he had a, he's demoing it in his booth. It's pretty cool, but it's just neat to see the energy in these littler developers. Oh, yeah, I love going to the pavilions. Like, there's the creative pavilion. Yeah. It's all the, like, little guys who are just, you know, they're working on this stuff, and it's you know, some really interesting ideas. Aquafata is one. They do um, eye dive and pulp motion. And pulp oh, motion yeah. is a, um, it's kind of a slideshow multimedia application. You can bring your photos into it, and they have these, you know, cool little templates. Some of them are beautiful. And you can also put photo, I mean, videos into it, too. And they have one that will do a newscaster, and it sets you up. There's, <laughs> like, the, you know, template in front of you that has, like, your name and, you know, what channel you're with, and you can, like, actually use your eyesight to create, you know, news shows. And then they go inside this, you know, multimedia thing, and it can be like a channel that you switch to. And you can have other movies playing, or you can go through a museum and have movies showing on the wall and stop and, you know, break for them out. And I just love seeing that kind of stuff. And the nice thing about those booths is that often when you go and talk to the person, you're talking to the guy who wrote it, as as opposed to the army of of, of PR people that, that, that you'll find. One product that hasn't come up in this, this conversation, and it's probably one of the uh, uh, larger non-Apple products that was announced this week, is Microsoft Office. Um, and I'm wondering why there, there doesn't seem to be any sort of buzz over really a, a flagship product for the Mac that, that they've revealed details about the universal version that's yeah. going to be out later this year. Uh, are people as angry as Rob Griffiths with <laughs> Visual Basic has, has been discontinued? You know, it's funny that you should bring up Visual Basic because um, one of the really interesting things that I learned at, the, at this show is that Microsoft is making a very concerted effort for people who are concerned about the lack of Visual Basic in uh, Office 2008 for Mac um, that, it, that they're giving them uh, tools to um, do that uh, conversion from Visual Basic to AppleScript, and I think that that's very promising. I asked them, is there anything you can do in Visual Basic that you can't do with AppleScript? And their answer was, not too much. So they're providing users with support for um, 
uh, both uh, you know Visual Basic type uh, to AppleScript stuff, and as well as automated workflows yeah. uh, designed to, to to support the Office Macintosh products. So I think uh, the Mac BU's heart is in the right place, even if uh, you know we've yeah. complained long and loud. <laughs> I, I agree, and I, sort of my open questions have more to do with. Uh, and I, I talked to someone in their booth. Um, I have, you know, anywhere from, I don't know, 100 to 200 spreadsheets that I've developed over time that have macros embedded in them. And I said, so I upgrade in the fall. What happens to those? I'm assuming the macros don't work. And obviously they don't work because there is no macro support. And he said, you can use our tools to, to migrate with them. But I have 150, you know. And he said, well, you should probably just keep Office 2004 on your disk and run it when you need to. And I'm like, oh, when geez, you need to. that's sort of annoying. Um, and the other question I asked that he wasn't able to answer, and I have my fingers crossed that this happens, one of the things that makes Visual Basic Macros so simple is that there's a menu item. Tools, macro, record new macro. You go do some things, you say stop recording, and you have a macro. And you don't have to know anything about coding, you don't have to know anything about if-then structures, or it just works. You go to a new spreadsheet, you paste something, you go to a new Word document, it records it. Um, and I asked, is there going to be tools, macro, record, you know, AppleScript? And he said, it has come up, we're looking at it, you know, I don't know. So if they do those two things, it, it clearly lays a lot of the fears. And, you know, going forward, I don't think it's a problem building new solutions without Visual Basic. My two big concerns are legacy and then cross-platform is an issue that they really can't solve because if I build a great solution in AppleScript, I can't send it to a Windows user. And if I work for a company that uses Windows macros, I asked him this question, and his answer was, well, if you're on an Intel Mac, you probably need to run um, Parallels and Office for Windows. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, not really a solution. I mean, clearly it is a solution. You're going to have 100% compatibility, but as a Mac user, you're kind of like, well, geez, I have to buy it twice. So it, it'll be interesting, and that what I don't know enough to, to see where we go with this is what percentage of their clients does this affect. You know, I don't know if it's a tenth of a percent or 20%. So Having said that, I've got to say that, that the, the new uh, Macintosh version it's of Office looks very, very nice. very nice. It, it does yeah, look I don't, very nice. Yeah. And I, I, I don't, I'm repeating what I wrote on the website today. <laughs> And I realize it in saying it out loud that it really sounds like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> I think they did a very good job of recognizing that they, they didn't need to add new features, yep. that they just needed to make the features that they, they have added over the years more easy, whether it's easier to access or just letting people know that they're right. there. And better organized. And I mean, it was better, easier to find Very things. much so. And that, that actually is a good segue into another product that I was very, very happy to see at the show, which is uh, Toast 8 Titanium ah. from Roxio, another Best of Show recipient. Um, this is uh, one of those products that continuously, year after year, gets tweaked and upgraded. And... You know, I feel kind of bad for the product guys at, at Roxio um, because, you know, when, when you've got a product that's, that's as well-developed as they are, you've really got to be careful not to start piling on, piling on, piling on. Otherwise, you run the risk of feature bloat. You know, we've yeah. seen that in so many applications that get so, many, so complicated to use after a few major revisions that they're no longer as useful or as, as appealing as they were when they were new. But this one, they just hit it out of the ballpark. Not only have they simplified the interface for burning CDs and DVDs, but they have also struck a deal with TiVo. So um, when you buy Toast 8 Titanium, um, you get TiVo to go as well, which means that if you have a, a Series 2 uh, TiVo uh, digital video <laughs> recorder, right, the non-HD version, uh, you can wirelessly um, get stuff on your Mac um, 
and uh, you know, download your shows to your Macintosh. You can set it up so it will automatically grab the stuff that's recorded. So let's say that I record Heroes, for example, on the DVR. You know, tell it that you want Heroes to be transferred over to the Macintosh, and then you can burn it to DVD, or you can rip it to your iPod or your PSP. Very happy to see the PSP <laughs> support continue because I'm, of course, a big PlayStation Portable fan. Um, and, and that brings TiVo to go to the Macintosh. We've seen other solutions that have come out uh, from, uh, from uh, shareware authors. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's nice to see a commercial package solution that works that well. And, of course, we'd be remiss to not mention Adobe, I another big player at the, <laughs> at the show. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they, but they announced their beta version of the next version of Photoshop um, a few weeks ago. So, I, you know, right. a lot of the buzz kind of got taken yeah. up kind of before the show, and I feel like you haven't heard as much about them at the show. But, I mean, but they're Well, they, they did win two Best of Show they awards. They did, indeed. For Photoshop and Premiere. And Premiere, yeah, yeah. It's exciting to see that come back. Yes. Um, but, you know, they're showing some great stuff at the show. You can walk up. They'll, you know, get a demo. They'll, they're running through uh, Photoshop right there. You can, you know, actually ask questions about it. Yeah, it'll definitely, I mean, that will make, that will sell a lot of Macs, and it will sell a lot of Adobe software yeah. when they ship, obviously. And I'd, of course, be uh, remiss in my duties as the uh, resident game room columnist <laughs> if I didn't give some love to my peeps on the game side. Uh, first of all, actually, before I get to that, let's talk a little bit about the North Hall, because this is the first time that we've seen the North Hall yeah. open at Macworld Expo in, uh, it, well, this this would be three years ago. Yeah, And three years ago, it was largely tumbleweeds were in the North Hall. And whistling wind. Yes, indeed. And broken dreams. <laughs> so what IDG World Expo did this year is set up a digital lifestyle experience in uh, in that hall. So the John Lennon tour bus is yeah. parked over there. And the there are special station. the photo station. There are special interest areas uh, where you could – that's actually where we found out about Punch Software. Yep. Um, and uh, many other vendors who everybody loves, like Barebone Software, for example, is over there. There are also digital lifestyle areas set up for digital photography and for uh, digital video and multimedia. And uh, um, uh, what's the other one? Music, of course. And uh, my personal favorite, games. Uh, the, the the games area is a little bit different than it is that, uh, than it was last year. It was uh, in a South Hall last year, and uh, there's a large competition area, very loud, lots of booming, lots of uh, uh, people competing against each other. This year it's a little more laid back. There are just some kiosks with uh, uh, companies' games set up. Um, but for the first time, we've seen iPod games wow. uh, at Macworld Expo. So that's uh, that's quite a lot of fun. Now seem to be attracting a lot of attention. People were wandering by and picking up the iPods that were, of course, tethered securely <laughs> to their stations. And, uh, you know, giving Pac-Man or uh, Bejeweled or Tetris a try um, on the iPod. And there were a couple of uh, Mac game vendors uh, located there as well. Um, uh, first of all, of course, Spire Media was there. Another Best of Show uh, a winner for um, its first-person shooter, Prey, which should be on store shelves within the next two or three weeks. And uh, Feral Interactive, a game publisher from the U.K., which has recently just emerged with a vengeance. Uh, shipping two games within a matter of weeks after an 18-month hiatus um, to uh, um, uh, to release Imperial Glory, a real-time strategy game um, set in the Napoleonic era, which is something that we don't see too much of, and uh, the movies, which is really kind of a cool strategy game that's that's sort of um, 
part The Sims, part um, a tycoon game where you actually have to build a Hollywood studio from the ground up. You can direct movies and so on. They had a surprise announcement at the show, actually, that I haven't seen uh, reported too far, and that is that LEGO Star Wars 2 is coming yeah. to the Macintosh. Now, this game is rated E10+, plus, uh, or E 10 plus. that's everyone 10 and older, uh, by the ESRB. And uh, this is a game that was uh, promoted heavily by LucasArts um, a while back. And um, it is a very fun game based on the original trilogy of Star Wars movies, the ones that we all know and love. And uh, the, um, the, the characters, the original characters, you know, Han Solo, uh, Princess Leia, Chewbacca, and you get to basically recreate the scenes uh, from those movies so you can uh, fight stormtroopers on the Death Star or fight stormtroopers on the forest moon of Endor or fight stormtroopers on Tatooine. I think you get the point. Um, <laughs> one other uh, game vendor who's at the show this year who actually opted to, uh, to appear in the South Hall instead uh, is Freeverse Software, and Freeverse Software did that because they've got a much broader uh, product line yep. than just games. They also sell Lineform, which is an illustration yeah. software yeah. app. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Comic Life Deluxe, yep. the boxed version from Plask Software, is uh, is distributed and uh, sold at retail by uh, by Freeverse. They have a very exciting game that is just about to get released called Heroes of Might and Magic 5. Uh, it's a very popular uh, strategy game series on the PC side. What makes this particularly remarkable, not just because it's a fun game to play, but the technology that was used to develop it for the Macintosh is Transgaming CIDR virtualization software. This is um, based on a Linux program that they have called Sedega, which lets Linux users run Windows applications and game software uh, without having to have Windows installed. It's a little bit like crossover, uh, but it's very heavily optimized for games. Um, and uh, this is the first commercial game that we've seen use the product. Um, and and to, to just try to simplify it a little for me, this means that from a development standpoint, they don't have to convert all that code to, the, to Macintosh. That's exactly right. They right? wrap it, they siderize yeah. it, if you will, and then uh, enable the Windows executable to run on uh, Mac OS X right. without having to have a separate Windows partition yep. installed or anything like that. So it works a little bit different than the uh, coherence mode uh -huh. that we've seen in Parallels because that still requires you to have Windows right. installed. Um, I had a chance to talk to the Transgaming guys today. Transgaming is the developer of the technology that Freeverse used for that, and they're very excited. They've got some big announcements coming up in the next few weeks and months, so um, uh, we should be hearing a lot more about CIDR in 2007. Cool. And I just wanted to add in here that, you know, if you're coming to the floor and you find you're running out of time and you just want to see some really cool stuff, walk around to behind the Apple booth. Yeah. to um, where Apple, they have a space where all their design award winners are there. There's some really cool stuff in there. Lineform is in there, which if you don't know what that is, it's an illustration um, application. Um, it's really cool. It's worth taking a look at. It's, you know, inexpensive and just really intuitive. Uh, Moto is there, which is a 3D application. Um, Morphage is there, you know, turning one photo into another. They have a really interesting um, software for that. You know, there's, I mean, just it's a little bit of everything there, and it's like just really the coolest, coolest stuff. Like the little booths are great. I, mean, I get, yeah. I get a big kick out of Lineform. I sort of liken Lineform to if um, Adobe, Adobe had taken Illustrator and done the same thing that it did with Photoshop Elements to Photoshop. Yeah. Lineform is sort of Illustrator, Illustrator elements. elements, if you will. Really great application for yeah. people who are looking. And for really a, easy to get started yeah. with. I mean, there's a lot of power. Buried in it, but you can just 
you know, just start drawing. It's really intuitive. And one one guy, right? It's one one developer. One guy developed it, yeah. And when you play with it, you're like, wow. I mean, (laughs) it's an impressive accomplishment. So the North Hall and South Hall are both jammed with lots of exhibitors, perhaps next year when the iPhone brings the <laughs> slew of iPod accessory-like vendors. They'll open up Moscone West, for example. <laughs> but I, I see by the position of the sun in the sky that our, our time has come to an end here on the Macworld Podcast. Let's uh, throw it back to Chris Breen. And that does it for this edition of the Macworld Podcast, sponsored by MYLB, Small Business Management Software. MYLB helps you to mind your own business smarter. For more details on the items mentioned in today's podcast, please take a look at this program's show notes, available at www.macworld.com slash podcast. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac, iPod, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. Stay tuned for more of our coverage of Macworld Expo. See you next time.